Hey there, and welcome to Blazing the Path, hosted by Rob Hetherington. This is a Portland Trailblazers podcast by a fan for the fans. Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Welcome to episode number one of Blazing the Path. Today is going to be a look at the 2019-20 season for the Portland Trailblazers, a season um, in which if you were a fan of the Blazers, it was a roller coaster season. You know, weren't ever quite able to get over the 500 mark, but a lot of promising things did occur. Um, and there's there were a lot of injuries that, you know, as a Portland fan, you would give them the benefit of the doubt for a lackluster season because they didn't have a lot of their main guys. Season in total, they went 35 and 39. Um, not something they were expecting to do. They made the Western Conference Finals in 2018-2019. And this year they were looking to, you know, go even further, um, especially with early injuries in the season to Clay and Steph this year that made it appear as though this Portland team could finally get past Golden State. Um, which is what, you know, of course, all the teams in the West have always hoped to do the last five years. Um, pre-bubble regular season, they went 29-37. and 37. Again, very lackluster. Um, most months prior to the bubble, they lost, you know, roughly seven-plus games and only won about six, which just isn't going to get it done if you're looking to be a top seed in the playoffs. They weren't really able to close out multiple games in a row, often losing two-plus straight, sometimes four straight. Um, that appeared to be because whenever they'd win, you know, it'd be the shorthanded teams um, from the East even who just weren't as competitive as the West. They had a much better record against the East than they did against the West. And, you know, when they were playing these shorthanded Eastern teams, it was with Bazemore and Tolliver starting, which became the problem when they started to play more Western teams. Later on in the season, um, we know what Portland can do with a healthy team, with a healthy Yosef Nurkic, healthy Rodney Hood, um, kind of replacing a little bit the production of Seth Curry. They lost the year prior, but Hood was hurt December 6th um, after getting buckets in the beginning of the year. Even had a 25-point game, was looking like he could be a third scorer for this team. And they just they lost these guys that could produce on the offensive end. and. They were replaced with Anthony Tolliver and Kent Bazemore, who are serviceable bench players at this point in their careers, not starters. Um, so they weren't able to get it done against better teams, which they played a lot of in the early to mid portions of the season. Guys were getting spot starts. You would normally see unless a team is at the end of their season, um, either rebuilding 
and allowing their young players to develop or resting starters to prep for the playoffs. One of the bright spots the early part of the season was that this Portland team, players like Gary Trent Jr. and Anthony Simons, play a little bit more because they were needed, um, and that, that's going to definitely help their development down the road to contribute to this team the next few years as they continue to chase titles um, because they have the roster to do so. This The second half of the season, Dame, Dame Dalla had to basically average 35 a game just to break even, um, get you know as many wins as losses. They were at you know like an average of like seven to eight wins and seven losses or six losses. Started to show some promise there, um, but you know they were fifteen and twelve against the East this past season and twenty and twenty seven against the West. They just they just could not keep losing that many games if they were gonna you know make a solid run into the playoffs at a high seed and get one of the lower seeds play hopefully a team like you know Memphis um, or Sacramento a team of that nature and then you know they acquired Trevor Ariza later on in the season he was a great 3 and D guy they needed defense because this was a team that just could not get it going on the defensive end this was a team that you know Baysmore and Tolliver, even though they were just serviceable bench players, they got rid of them for Ariza because he could start still, even at his age, and give them that defensive edge for a longer amount of time. But the the issue that they had in the second half of the season was that, you know, still didn't have Yosef Nurkic, Zach Collins was suffering injuries again. Their big men, their faster big men were just not available and they had to rely on someone like Hassan Whiteside to be the defensive anchor, who is more of that six-man, seventh-man type role on a roster now at his age and his, um, you know, conditioning ability, just because he's not that fast. And they're playing these fast run-and-gun teams in the West, getting cooked by them. Um, and so Ariza, Ariza provided kind of kind of that spark. He kind of took the place of Rodney Hood as an offensive spark plug and unlike Rodney Hood, a defensive help. But Trevor Ariza also got hurt. And so you see all these guys, all these pieces that the Blazers tried to acquire and they just, they weren't able to get it done. They weren't able to have the longevity to provide those sparks off the bench or even start spot starts um, because they were getting injured. So, a reason not being available um, towards the end of the season, they started to kind of rack up those losses again. And then you look at going into the bubble, probably the only good thing <laughs> um, that came out of COVID was that the Blazers could recuperate if you're a Blazers fan and that they had some time, you know, when we ended the season in about um, end of March, very, very early April, and then didn't play again until – um, you know, want to say, you know, July, mid, late July. And, and so that gave them some time. It also gave some of the younger guys some time to actually come along and develop more than they would have had they had to play some of these teams in the playoffs earlier because, you know, not having that extra time really would have shown how young and inexperienced these Blazers players were, like Gary Trent Jr. and Anthony Simons. Fortunately, that did not happen. They had some more time to develop and provide for this team in the bubble and, and even a little bit in the playoffs. So 
you know, going into the bubble, Zach Collins was coming back. Yusuf Nurkic was coming back. Unfortunately, Trevor Ariza decided not to play in the bubble. So that was going to hurt them. But Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins are defensive anchors. Um, Dame, even at the beginning of the season, Damian Lillard said, you know, this is someone that could be an all-defensive player down the road in his career. Um, some people laughed at that, but it, it is a true statement because he's just a defensive anchor. Um, he's very athletic, and he's starting to be able to shoot threes. So he's providing on both ends of the court for them productively. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Blazing the Path. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and our other team-focused NBA pods, Knuck If You Buck, Grizz and Grind, Cavaliers Central, and the 305 Culture Miami Heat podcast. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads Pod, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. What what you see going into the bubble is that this is a team that was, you know, looking more like we thought they'd look at the beginning of the year, and that was the case. They went 6-2 and two in, the, in the bubble, um, playing for their lives, so to speak, for the playoff contention just because they had to, you know, win two or three more games than the Grizzlies did to even get in to the play-in game, and they ended up doing that. Um, but those bubble games, you know, you look at other teams that the Blazers played throughout the season. Devin Booker was hurt. They would lose to the Suns without Devin Booker. You see Devin Booker come back in the bubble, and they win They win out. They win all eight games that they play in the bubble. And so not to get ahead of ourselves or anything here, we're just looking at the 2019-20 season in this episode, but you look ahead and you can't help but think there's going to be some exciting games between all of these teams, young, old teams, you know, that next year – they're really going to go at it because teams with De'Aaron Fox, like Sacramento, teams with Devin Booker, like the Suns, they're young, but they're going to be able to compete for playoff spots like they did this year. And so, you know, it's going to be interesting, but the Trailblazers have one of the, you know, higher age rosters in the West. They have some of the most experience. And a lot of these guys like Dame and CJ have made the playoffs so many years in a row. They have the experience, and, you know, like CJ always says, they're they're built for it, a lot of them. Going into the bubble, though, and then coming to the other side of it, this was a team that tried their hardest, you could tell. Um, unfortunately, Collins got hurt again, giving it his all. And this was a Blazers team that was ready to make a deep playoff run. Dean was quoted as saying, you know, essentially that they, they weren't going to come down if they to Florida if they weren't you know, going to be able to compete. So they really felt they could compete, and they did come to Orlando. And that's exactly what we saw. First game, you know, competing with the Grizzlies. It was a nail-biter down at the end, very high scoring like a lot of Blazers games this past year. Showed, you know, a little bit of that lack of defense on the Blazers' end in that game. Um, would have liked to see them, you know, come into the bubble really really aggressively on the defensive end. They didn't do that. They allowed over 130 points. Still won, though, because they have the offensive firepower. But that theme even carried into some of the later games in the bubble 
but then they seem to kind of get a grasp on the defensive end and players like Wenyan Gabriel and Nazir Little, um, you know, playing a little bit more at that time. Even though they were still allowing scores upwards of 120 to 125, they were not blowing those second half leads because they were clamping down on the defensive end. Um, like I said, I think players like Wenyan Gabriel really gave them what they needed on that side of the ball that they didn't have before. Then you see someone like Gary Trent Jr. emerge as one of the top 10 in three points made in the bubble, um, you know, helping Dame out on that end of the ball on the offensive end to carry some of that scoring load. And it looks like, you know, a promising thing going into the playoffs. You have Charles Barkley of um, NBA on TNT saying that the Blazers could make a run to the finals, beat the Lakers to get there. Um, the first series against the Lakers, first round series, was very promising to start. You know, you have a team that Dame didn't have to come out and score 60 for them to win like he did the last few games, averaged about 40 um, the last few games in the bubble. And then going into the playoffs, you're thinking, is he going to have to do that again? And fortunately, the rest of the team did step up for game one, especially Nurkic, McCollum, you know, guys that you expect to step up who have been reliable in the past for them. And then what you end up seeing is that Portland takes game one going into game two, you know, looks like maybe Charles Barkley was right. Unfortunately, they get blown out. Um, they, they just allow a ridiculous three point percentage, a uh, very high shooting clip from the Lakers who don't really have that many shooters. Um, they have a few, you know, Kentavious Caldwell, Pope, Danny Green, and guys of that nature, but just no one that's elite at shooting. Um, and then, of course, they have LeBron and Anthony Davis, who, if they get more than 60 points, if they get more than 70 points, which they did several games in this series, you know, it's going to be hard for the Blazers to compete with that because they just don't have the firepower. They have two great guys, two elite guys, and a third guy who, you know, can carry a lot of the defensive load and offensive load but he's not a third guy that can bring him to that point where they can even compare to Anthony Davis and LeBron. Um, so that's where game three, a little bit better, a little, few more bright spots to point out. Very close and exciting. You see where they're missing Ariza in game three because they didn't have it on the defensive end yet again. And on the offensive end, they had no problems whatsoever. So that extra spark from Ariza coming in, would really make a difference, and that's where there's a lot of encouragement you see um, towards the end of the regular season going into the playoffs. The players that they missed will be ready to go next year, hopefully, and then the players that are starting to develop, the Gabriels, Trent Juniors of the team, they're just they're going to help this team be so deep next year, which is the problem they had in the playoffs against the Lakers. You look at Game 4, your star point guard, Damian Lillard, gets hurt. Doesn't finish the game or anything like that. Doesn't play much in the second half. And so with that, can't really rely on Anthony Simons to step into that role yet. He's getting there. He's darn near scoring 10 points a game at only 20 years old. And Gary Trent Jr., who's also under you know 23 years old, is starting to get up to that 12, 13-point clip, especially in the bubble. And so... That's promising for the future, but it wasn't there in Game 4. And so their bench just isn't that deep. They're relying on McCollum, 
um, to put the team on his back, which he did um, in games four and five. He's carrying him on his back, even though it was, you know, pretty wounded. He was suffering from a, a severely sprained back. This was just a team that you could tell was riddled with injuries. They got a little bit better, looked very promising for the playoffs, and then it just kind of, just kind of reared its ugly head again because you can't rely on guys who play 48 minutes in a game. They're playing 43, 46 minutes, and you know, after not really playing for several months, just playing a short eight-game stint, and then that. You just can't really rely on any two players, even LeBron or Anthony Davis, to carry that kind of load. LeBron and AD had a lot of help this year with their finals run, <clears throat> and I think we saw that most clearly in Game Five. They didn't really have Portland didn't really have anyone besides CJ to close out, um, and so they they got you know beaten pretty bad in the second half yet again, and they end up losing the series to a team that has a bench now. The Lakers didn't have it last year. They really were relying on Kuzma, and then LeBron got hurt, so they couldn't rely on him. Um, and then this year, they said, you know what, we're going to get some more guys. That's what they did. They filled their bench up. They even had guys, you know, in case their their bench's bench got hurt, they picked up a lot of guys in free agency. So hopefully Portland will, you know, not, not seek to copy that because it doesn't seem to work when teams go to copy a style of play. But hopefully they look to mimic just slightly what what uh, L.A. did, which is pick up some free agents that can be pieces um, right now because they have a lot of great talent up and coming, and they have a lot of developed talent. They need piece, a few more pieces that can help right now, and that's what I'd like to take a look at in the f- next few weeks is just free agency, upcoming season. Without a doubt, if you're a Portland Trailblazers fan, take heart because the next few years look bright. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. Thanks for tuning in to Blazing the Path, a Portland Trailblazers podcast hosted by Rob Hetherington. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts for weekly episodes.